everything is meant to be in Minecraft. That's not what it was designed for. It's a tool. It's not the be all end all of everything. Minecraft gave those students who didn't have the tools to visualize what they were reading, it gave them those tools. If it is just a digital worksheet, it's like chocolate on broccoli. It just doesn't work. I first would start with what do I want the kids to be able to have learned at the end of this? And then when I started with that and worked backwards, that made it much, much easier for me to be able to design a lesson. Welcome to the Minecraft Education Edition podcast. I'm Mike Washburn. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Participate, where the world learns together. On this episode of the Minecraft Education Edition podcast, we're talking lessons. We'll talk to two amazing educators and get their best advice on how to build great lessons. We'll also share some resources so that you can get started yourself. Our guests this week are Ben Spieldenner and Trish Cloud. Let's get started. I saw the power of Minecraft for lesson building almost right away. As a history major, it didn't take me long to start building towers and houses and whole villages that reflected the concepts I was planning to teach my students. By using Minecraft in my classroom and working with other teachers to implement it in theirs, I've seen students who couldn't have cared less about castles reading from a text be inspired to build the grandest castles of them all in Minecraft. Building a great lesson for Minecraft is an art, and I'm so excited to be talking to some true artists on this episode. When we come back, our conversation with Ben Spieldenner. Ben Spieldenner, welcome to the Minecraft Education Edition podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Maybe we could begin by having you tell us about your background using Minecraft Education Edition. Yeah, so I've been an educator for almost 20 years now, and I started as an English teacher. And I taught a number of courses. I had a lot of students who both hated English and hated school. And those were my favorite students to work with because they were just very honest and very real. And and so I discovered very quickly that the traditional texts that we would use, they weren't always applicable to the students. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to try to find some different ways to be able to kind of reach them where they are. Um, and so it started simple enough. Actually, I think the first project I ever did was for a book called Anthem um, by Ayn Rand, uh, kind of an odd book, very short. In one sense, it can be very high interest because it is so short and uh, it, it's easily accessible. But in another sense, it's such an odd topic that students had a hard time with the whole I, I identity of the book. The word I doesn't even show up until three quarters of the way through the book. So I needed a way for students to be able to access the information for a world that they had never, ever experienced and probably would never experience. And so I created it in Minecraft to kind of illustrate to them um, how, how odd it really was. And so from there, it's kind of been a whirlwind from Shakespearean classics um, to... You know, Christmas Carol, and you know, this year I finished up uh, World of uh, Bath UK, looking at Roman history, and oh boy, it's kind of been all over the place. Yeah, that's my that's my wheelhouse right there. Yeah, nice. It reminds me that there's almost nothing you can't do in Minecraft, especially in literature. You can create whole worlds in Minecraft Education Edition, can't you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
You know, I think, too, for a lot of students, you know, I made the assumption that students could just visualize the worlds that they were reading about. And that wasn't the case, you know, and I, I know one of the things that I discovered very quickly was that Minecraft gave those students who didn't have the tools to visualize what they were reading. It gave them those tools. So, so it made it very, very real to them. And with the idea that you can add NPCs and and you know, attribute voice to those NPCs. Not only can you create the world in terms of like the buildings and structures, but you can build the characters as well. Yes, you can. Um, yeah, actually, um, the first world that I built that had any kind of success was the uh, called the Verona Adventure, and it took kids through the post Verona uh, world of Romeo and Juliet, or the the post Romeo and Juliet world. Of Verona, maybe a better way to put that. But yeah, yeah, that that was the crux of it. You know, they had kids had to talk to the NPCs. Yeah, so that was a huge, huge part of that. That's awesome. So the last episode, we spoke with Benjamin Kelly, another great Minecraft educator, one of the best, about global connections and the ways we use Minecraft to bring people together. You've done some work collaborating with educators all over the world as well. I'm thinking of... Um, Simon Badley in the UK, for example. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's kind of a wild story. Um, so basically what happened was I was fairly new to the Minecraft education scene. And um, I had started doing some uh, YouTube videos. And I had someone from the Minecraft education team actually reach out to me about the possibility of becoming a Minecraft uh, mentor. And so I didn't really know what that was. And so kind of joined this group and it was pretty small at the time and and fairly new and when i joined the group you know i started learning about all the different things that you could actually do mm -hmm. and so i started using it in my ninth grade english course you know these were 14 15 year olds and of course shakespeare um you know not always the most accessible to uh, teenagers and I had an idea that I wanted to um, transition from Romeo and Juliet to research writing, but I wanted to do it using some game-based learning. And so that's where the Verona Adventure came in. So I reached out to the group. I said I was interested in doing this project. Um, and I was wondering if anyone had any resources. And Simon actually um, responded back and said that he had um, some resources. And so we started talking and found out that we had very similar views game-based learning and, and education and the way we approached our classrooms. And from there, it's, you know, kind of been a whirlwind. And we've we've created a lot of stuff over the last two years. Um, we created cross-pond collaborations. And it's taken on a, a whole bunch of different forms because we didn't really know necessarily what we wanted to do with it. And so um, right now, um, it's really a place where we can offer free resources to educators and to students. And our goal is just to kind of have fun and um, make some resources that we hope teachers can actually use in their classroom. And so um, it's it's been great because not only have I had the opportunity to collaborate on Minecraft, and that's been a huge part of this, but that's branched out to other things. Um, my role actually has changed over the last few years. And so I went from the uh, English language arts classroom and then I became a tech coach. And now um, July 1st, I'm jumping into the admin world as a uh, director of technology integration and innovation for my school district. And so kind of every step along the way, I've had somebody as, as a sounding board um, that has an educational system that is a little bit different than, than mine here in the States. Mm -hmm. And that's been really 
uh, really helpful, actually, to, to look at education in, in a different way. So, yeah, it, it's been it's been nice. It's you know, it's it's crazy, I think, how how Minecraft has has taken me uh, from where I was to where I am now. And it, it's been a cool journey. What are some pitfalls that educators face, do you think, when they're trying to bring lessons with Minecraft into the class, especially these first time people? I suspect that we have some people that are listening to the podcast that still are learning about Minecraft, but are listening to you go, I just did a post Romeo and Juliet Verona, and why can't I do that too? So what do you think some best practices would be for doing that and some pitfalls, some things that they should look out for? Yeah, you know, that that is a phenomenal question. And I think that is like the million dollar the million dollar question. You know, I think it's it's Steve Isaac, I think, that says iteration, iteration, iteration. And that that's a hundred percent what what creating in Minecraft um it, it really is. I have made a a just a ton of mistakes. And it's funny because I look back on it now and I think how do I not see this, but part of it was my own tech pitfalls too. You know, I didn't know all of the resources that were available out there. And even when I did learn about some of the resources that were available, the learning curve was a little steep. So the first world I made brick by brick, I played with uh, my own two kids. And when I started doing things for my class, I realized that I just didn't have the time to do it that way. Mm. I mean, it was just impossible. You know, there's no way you can create some of these things brick by brick and be able to get it done. And, you know, by the time I retired, so um, I discovered some programs, programs like MC Edit, um, World Builder, uh, Blockbench, um, all kinds of things. Um, I, I, I've done um, photos professionally for a number of years, and so I had some experience with Photoshop, and that was really, really helpful. I did some um, deep diving into the bowels of Minecraft just to kind of see how things worked. I wanted to see how I could change what NPCs look like and what some of the uh, mobs look like and how they behaved. And so two years ago, I spent a summer and that's what I did. I, every day I got up about two hours earlier than the rest of my family. And I went out to our porch and I just spent a lot of hours every single day looking at every aspect of Minecraft. And somebody who's creating a lesson, they don't have to do that. That's not like an essential piece of what they have to do. Right. Um, I did it because I because I wanted to know more about game-based learning. Actually, that, that was kind of the driving force for me. And in order for me to do that, I wanted to see what made a game work. You know, I'd played video games my entire life. Um, and so I wanted the other side of that. So I think to, to answer your question, I think a piece of that is understanding how games work. I think that's mm -hmm. one thing that's really, really important. And that's just playing games. And that, that's a fun thing. Play the game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I uh, I've spoken all over the world at this point about Minecraft. And uh, if there's anything that's consistent in my message is you got to actually play. You've yeah. got to play the game yourself, yes. not with your kids. Go home and play the game. Correct. Yeah, I mean, that that's probably number one. You got to know you got to know what you can do and what you can't do. And you got to know um, as a game creator or as a lesson creator, you got to know. Um, that what you're expecting the kids to do, they can actually do in Minecraft. I think that's a huge piece of that as well. Um, so yeah, that's number one. And play other games too. I mean, there's so many great games out there. Totally. That I, I think if you play other games, they 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 give you just great ideas in terms of narratives and great ideas in terms of the the gameplay itself. And then for me, being an English teacher, 
I have always loved dystopian novels, and I always like the idea of the dystopia. And um, I think the reason why I always liked that is because I was always curious, I guess, about what had to happen in order for the society to fall apart the way it had. And so that's actually how I approached all the lessons, too. It was uh, reverse design. So I, I first would start with what do I want the kids to be able to have learned at the end of this? And then when I started with that and worked backwards, um, that made it much, much easier for me to be able to design a lesson. And so I think one, one of the pitfalls that I got stuck on early was I got stuck too much on the game and not enough on the, on the actual lesson itself. And mm. so, you know, I made some things that may be a lot of fun, but there wasn't a lot of learning going on. And so I think that's a huge, a huge part of it, too, is trying to balance that idea of engagement and content. And so I think awesome. that's, yeah, I think that's another, another big piece of it. So we'll spend some time uh, later in this episode talking with our mutual friend, Trish Cloud, about lessons and the lesson library. Would you recommend a teacher just going there? Like, this lesson library has tons and tons of lessons, literally thousands at this point. Would you recommend a teacher just going into the lesson library if they wanted to learn a little bit about Minecraft, grabbing a lesson and experimenting with it for themselves? Um, that seems like a pretty barrier-free entryway into learning about how you might use Minecraft in your classroom. So one of the things that I did, I, I remember the Oregon Trail lesson that came out, um, came out in the library, and this was a few years ago. And one of the things that I did um, that helped me quite a bit is I downloaded that world. That was a world that had been created by the Minecraft uh, Education Edition team. And I kind of picked it apart. That's where I learned um, really how to use command blocks more effectively because there mm -hmm. were some cool things they did in there. And I thought, oh, this is cool, but I don't know how they do it. So I went through and I, I kind of picked apart the command blocks just to see how they had done a few things. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to jump in and to get a taste for what lessons can exist. I think the in-game library itself may be a little more manageable because there's there's a lot fewer lessons that are there. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that may be a, a really good place to start. It's a little bit easier, too, with the in-game library because it will automatically import for you and, and it just makes it a little bit easier. So I would probably start with the in-game library first mm -hmm. and then branch out from there. It's awesome that there's not only, like you're saying, this library outside on the website on the education.minecraft.net, but then in the actual application itself are lessons in an interface that you can just go on and, and look for a lesson right inside the system. It, it makes it really easy for you to just pick it up and, and start using it. So let's talk about lessons and learning. And a lot of teachers are still probably listening to this and going, I, I want to hear results. I want to hear about outcomes. Um, saying this seems like a lot different than what I'm used to uh, and a lot different than how I normally teach. But you and I both know, and we've both seen firsthand the results speak for themselves. So can you tell us some stories of a couple great outcomes you've had with Minecraft in your teaching. So um, I, I have a, a number of stories. I think um, one of the stories I have, we were doing a, um, it was a lesson. It, it was kind of like an, like an end of the unit lesson. It was like, um, it was for an animal farm. It was the text animal farm, right? Classic George Orwell, 
great story. Once again, not always accessible for teenagers. You know, they get in thinking animals are talking. This is really weird. And so we really talked about the idea of the power struggle. And so what we did was I kind of did a competition. And in the competition, I broke students up into like three groups. And I said, all right, at the end of these two days, you have to, we're going to, we're going to um, see who can build the biggest windmill. That's all you have to do, build the biggest windmill. And I said, the only, the only stipulation is, is that you all are going to start in three different locations. And so I had them start in three different locations, these three teams, and each location had different resources. One, one had plenty of food, one had plenty of building materials, and then one had, um, the last one had, um, had neither actually. Hmm. It was very barren. And, um, this was before we'd actually gotten into animal farm. And so I was using this as an introductory activity. I didn't really know how it was going to go because I'd never done this before. Mm-hmm. What I anticipated was, was, was that it was all going to kind of fall apart into giant power struggles. Once they realized that they didn't have as much as someone else did, their team didn't. And so I was waiting for that to happen. And lo and behold, that's what happened. You know, we had one group that the group with all the building materials just continued to build, 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 build. With it, while the other two groups either tried to destroy their their windmill or they just struggled to even survive. Well, in the midst of this, I had my superintendent and our curriculum director come in for an observation because they'd never seen Minecraft used before. So I thought, okay, well, this is going to be interesting. Um, so they came in in the middle of it, you know, and here they're, you know, kids blowing up each other's windmills. Um, and what was most interesting is I had a student in there who was really disengaged for a, a good chunk of the of the semester he was a good kid he was he was well behaved he was always respectful but he just wasn't terribly interested in anything that we were doing but he knew minecraft really well and so what ended up happening is he ended up becoming the leader of his group um and this is something he had never really experienced i i don't think in edu- in his educational experience was him being a leader in the classroom mm. um and so it was really cool because both the superintendent and the curriculum director had seen this student in um, other classrooms um, and even outside of the classroom and had recognized that this is a student who really struggled through school. Um, the traditional classroom just didn't quite fit his needs. He wasn't interested. And so here he was thriving as a leader, you know, calling out different things to his team to try to make sure that not only they were going to survive, but the group was thriving. And so that was just a simple, just collaborative piece, I think, that that was really cool that I hadn't even anticipated in the midst of all this. So that's one. I think for writing, we we did an activity where we were doing a unit and it was uh, the unit was all about survival. And it was like apocalyptic short stories. And some of them were um, were fiction. And some of them were like nonfiction science pieces about climate change and those kinds of things. And um, so the culminating activity that we did was I, I put them inside of a kind of like a makeshift, um, like little town. Think of like like Walking Dead style. And I'd set it up so I had monster spawners around the outside of it, but they were like hidden in caves. Um, and then when nighttime came, it was just there were just zombies everywhere outside. Um, and then I would do things like blow a hole in the side of their of their fortress, you know, and then they would have to, you know, have to try to survive with the idea then at the end of this, they had to write a narrative based on their experience with this whole, it was like a two day, two day in class thing that we did. They had to write a narrative then. 
And for the narrative, they had to utilize some of the pieces from the text that they had read, like some of the vocabulary pieces, some of the, we've done a lot of uh, direct instruction and vocabulary that, that they had to use. And so it was really cool to see them um, do this because their writing up to this point had been very kind of like, like very vanilla, very kind of bland. Sure. And so after this experience, though, um, they used uh, just the descriptive words were incredible. The passion with which they wrote, just the amount of, of, of writing that they were willing to do and happy to do and excited to do because of the experience itself. That, that was really a, a cool thing to see. And that was really, really impressive, actually. And so just creating that experience for them to be able to write about, I think, really, um, really made a big difference. What great stories. That's awesome. It's clear that your ability to craft great lessons that were immersive and interesting and kind of off the beaten path even a little bit made your students more engaged and and more in tune with what you were trying to get them to learn. Ben Spieldenner, thank you so much for your time on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Mike. This is a blast. And I, I do want to encourage teachers to try Minecraft out there's so many things that you can do, and there are so many great writing activities and reading activities you can integrate into your use of Minecraft. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Check out over 650 lessons ranging from early education math all the way to high school chemistry and coding in the Minecraft library, in the game, and on the web. There's even a lesson for educators on how to create a great lesson for Minecraft. Visit aka.ms slash Minecraft library and get started in the Minecraft education lesson library today. We'll be right back with Trish Cloud. Trish Cloud, welcome to the Minecraft education edition podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. I think it's great that some educators first interaction with Trish Cloud might actually be through the Minecraft Education Edition Lesson Library. Um, <laughs> your name is all over the place there. And, and, I, and I love seeing those assignments. And I'd love for you to take a minute to share your journey in Minecraft. And in particular, how did you get to the point where you've become this prolific lesson designer for the platform? Oh, that's... Uh, I've never thought of myself in those terms and I find it uh, <laughs> funny, but um, anyway, um, it was probably uh, eight, eight or nine years ago. Um, I was given the position at my school to where I was going to be teaching technology. And I was like, sure, let's see what we can do here. And I had started playing World of Warcraft and I had also started playing Minecraft with my kids. And I was fascinated with the building that you did in Minecraft. And this was like eight years ago when it was still in beta. And mm -hmm. um, we found out that um, our PTA was giving us two carts of iPads and Minecraft PE had just come out. And so I decided to go to my principal and said, let's have a Minecraft club. This will be something fun to do. And right after I started the Minecraft club, I found Minecraft EDU. And once I found Minecraft EDU, the Minecraft club funded buying all the licenses we needed. And so I started using it about eight years ago. 
And my principal at that time just kind of let me go. And I used it on iPads and I would have 60 kids that were showing up on Monday afternoons. And so once I started doing that, I started seeing, thinking about, okay, how could I use this to build a lesson? And mm-hmm. so it's just incrementally over the years, it's just kind of grown. Um, mm-hmm. And now my district kind of just lets me do my thing in the district, which is really cool. It's a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> well, and, and there's no doubt that what you're doing, your thing is clearly working because <laughs> um, definitely on a, on a list of Minecraft educators, um, to, to talk to your name comes up every time, um, you know, and so we're talking about creating lessons mm-hmm. and building great lessons. And I want to know what are the elements of a great Minecraft lesson? Uh, looking at this as someone who creates lessons, as well as someone who tries to teach teachers to use Minecraft, the first thing of element of a great lesson is there's a map, there's a world with it. For new teachers coming in who are just learning how to utilize the tool and work it into their curriculum, they are not world builders. And even though most kids know how to play, one of the first things we have to stress to educators and to students when we're using Minecraft Education Edition is this is not you playing Minecraft at home. This is an educational setting and we're going to use this to learn. So we're going to look at it through a different lens today. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is if we just give kids a flat world, that's a little too big. And For younger kids particularly, that would just overwhelm them because they aren't sure what they're supposed to do. But I'm not saying they don't build in the world, but I'm saying give them a world where you set up parameters ahead of time in the world so that when they go in, they know what they're supposed to do. Because not only are you having to think about those things, you're having to also think about the fact that you're on a limited time schedule. We're talking about, and particularly in elementary schools, We're talking about teachers who are teaching multiple subjects in a limited amount of time during the day. They don't have time for setup. They don't have time to go in and start going through all these processes of you need to do this, 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 and this. The lesson needs to be seamless for them to where they can walk right in and those kids are spawned in the world and they know what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So keeping those things in mind, that's where you structure your lesson. You've got all those. Then you've got to have your objectives. What is your goal? What are you trying to teach? What are your standards you're teaching to? Because we're not going to get into schools and be accepted in schools if we're not teaching the standards and have objectives. It just yeah, can't totally. be willy nilly. And If we can make Minecraft accessible to just your average teacher, we're going to get a whole lot more use than it being something weird and out there, which it's come so far just in the years that I've been involved with it. I mean, 
we're talking it's no longer considered <laughs> along the lines of call of duty or something. It's really accepted. And even in my district, most teachers know what it is. It's just putting it in a form that's easily accessible and they can get in there and do what they need to do and use it as the tool that it's intended to be used as, and then move on. But it, it does. It's got to have objectives. It's got to have standards. There's got to be a world. You've got to have clear instructions on what the kids are supposed to do and outline those activities to where anybody can read your lesson and know what they're supposed to do and add a rubric. So let's break down some of those pieces because there's a couple parts there for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I love talking about you know, when a student students join a world, they need to have a sense of, you know, what we're asking them to do. So tools like the pad and quill and the boards and the signs and the posters and the NPCs all play, I think, a critical role in that for sure. Oh, yeah. And what makes the boards and the NPCs even better is some of them now are attached to immersive reader, which is right. really going to help our emerging readers and our EL students that are trying to grasp the language. That's one of the best things I've seen so far, because even for an adult, sometimes things are hard to read in the game. So if we can make the instructions as clear as possible, another thing is, is I try to keep down the amount of words that I use Hmm. because we live in a TLDR society. <laughs> we sure do. And and our students are the same way. Yeah. So if we can keep our instructions succinct and give them direction and make it as easy as possible for them to complete their objectives within the game. So they're not getting lost and flying off and getting, you know, wandering off somewhere or sure. they can't figure out what they're supposed to do because They've just been dropped in a world with a thing in front of them. And they're like, what am I supposed to do here? Which I've seen and it's kind of frustrating. One of the um, cool things about Minecraft that I love and I and I bring it up all the time is that there's something for everybody. If mm-hmm. you want to teach science, there's a lot of really cool things you can do with science. You want to teach math. Of course, there's lots of great lessons. Even you've designed lessons related to science and, and math, I think. And, and so... There's a lot of great opportunities to attach objectives. You know, at the end of the day, administrators, principals are going to be going, okay, well, where are the curriculum expectations Mm -hmm. that you're Mm -hmm. hitting? So when you're crafting a lesson for Minecraft, how are you thinking through what you're going to align it to? And how can teachers think through that themselves if they decide to build lessons? One of the first lessons I did was Jamestown. And the reason I did that is that I was working with the fifth grade teachers at the school I was at at the time. And it just presented itself so perfectly as a Minecraft lesson because I could just drop the kids into the world and have them build Jamestown. Mm -hmm. What I do with pretty much all my lessons is I start with the standard and I start by looking at what are the essential standards for this subject. 
And then I think, okay, and then I go look at what the state expects them to teach. And then I say, okay, well, look, they're studying ancient civilizations. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Let's do something with that. That would be fun. And I mean, I can find something fun to build around. And then the fourth grade teacher I was working with with mathematics it's like, how can we make fractions fun? How can we create a world to where they're having to learn about this complex subject that's really hard for most fourth and fifth graders to really wrap their minds around for fractions and equivalent fractions? And how can we do that in a way that's going to be fun and at the same time teach them what they need to know? Well, and I think you hit a good point there, too, about the idea of backwards design and that this is kind of a normal thing. This is the way that lessons are, are meant to be built. Um, Mm -hmm. Start with the learning. Right. And then, and then find the tool that you can use. Right. Your, so Minecraft is your kind of one of your go-to tools, but you're still starting with the learning. Right. You start with the learning and it may not be that Minecraft is the way to go, Mm. but Because the last thing I want to do is reduce Minecraft to a worksheet, a digital worksheet. Oh, of course. And if I'm looking at a standard and I can't come up with something they can do in the world that is unique to Minecraft, that they could not do with a paper and pencil, then I kind of go and walk away from it and move on to something else. Because... The lesson needs to start with the standard and the objective. And like I said, I hold myself to a standard of I'm not creating a digital worksheet. It Not everything is meant to be in Minecraft. That's not what it was designed for. It's a tool. It's not the be-all, end-all of everything. And I don't want to create the same thing over and over and over again. You want it to be a special learning experience. Exactly. You want it to be... Um, exciting and engaging and interesting and the moment you turn something like Minecraft into like you said a a digital worksheet into something with so much structure and rigidity Mm -hmm. that it um, that it becomes just like opening a textbook right it, it instantly loses like almost all of its appeal exactly it does and kids can smell that from a mile away they sure can it's interesting. I haven't heard this in probably two or three years, but James Paul G., when he was writing his books about game space learning, he was talking about the fact that, you know, when people were still talking about maybe using Assassin's Creed for history and Portal 2 for physics, for game space learning to really stick and to really have the impact that it needs to have it needs to be a unique learning experience for the student because if it is just a digital worksheet it's like chocolate on broccoli it just doesn't work because Mm. we as adults our generation and I don't think sometimes adult educators realize that this gaming is their television that we grew up on. These kids watch Twitch for entertainment. They watch YouTube for entertainment. They watch other people playing video games for entertainment. They don't 
I mean, they'll stream something on Netflix or something, but the majority of the time they're watching people play video games and we can't fake it with them with video games because they'll just look at it and go and move on. And what we're trying to do with Minecraft is increase engagement of our students to where they want to learn. And we're taking, hopefully getting them engaged to the point to where people who don't normally want to write will want to reflect on what they've done in Minecraft because it was so cool and they'll grasp the learning more. It's awesome. And it only took three episodes for a James Paul Gee reference. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it, 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 that's great. Um, our last question what do you do before a lesson? Like if you're, especially with students who have never played Minecraft before, I'd love to know how you set them up for this and how do you like deconstruct it or talk about it after in terms of like an exit ticket or anything like that? Is there any sort of follow-up um, that's special related to Minecraft or are you kind of using kind of your standby normal kind of teaching strategies I'm, I'm curious especially that setup part um you know there's not many students who haven't played minecraft mm -hmm. but there are students who haven't played minecraft and i'm wondering what you do to get them ready it's funny um i have a teacher testing out uh some curriculum that i've been working on for minecraft with computer science and his son has been running through the, the maps that were built and he's been looking at the lesson plan and the son goes, everybody's played Minecraft because we started it as a gradual letting people get used to controls and everything. But this kid who's testing out this world is going, everybody knows how to do this, which I don't agree with. Because if I walk into a classroom and I ask them, how many of you have played Minecraft? I will get... 75 to 80% that raised their hand. And then if I say to them, how many of you played on a PC? It's like 25 to 50% because they've all done touch screens. It's mostly Minecraft PE. Right. And yeah. so then we have to go through what WASD is and we have to go through you know, and most of them are familiar with a mouse, but they just have to get used to to navigating that way. Um, whenever I was teaching the lessons I was teaching, whether it was um, the art museum or we were doing um, Jamestown, I had I would set groups up ahead of time. If they were supposed to be working in world together, I would set groups up ahead of time where I would have someone I knew was proficient at Minecraft and I would put them with a group that maybe wasn't as proficient. And so I would try to balance out groups around the room to where there would be someone there to help them. But before we ever did that, we would set up expectations before and it's like they would know with Miss Cloud, she does not allow trolling. And so we would set up ahead of time behavior expectations because mm -hmm. some just like to push the boundaries and that's fine. That's going to be great 
in later in life because that means they're brave and not afraid to try new things. But when you're in a limited time window with um, different personalities, we need to try not to be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What I would have to do is just get a feel for the room ahead of time because I always generally had at least one or two kids who maybe had never played before. And you have to remember, I'm also working. I was also working with like third through fifth graders. So I would just partner them with someone who was more proficient at the game. And we were working on desktop computers at that time. And so I, I never had struggles with kids if they were using a touch screen because touch screens and these kids is peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it just, they just go together, but it's, it's a little bit more of a learning curve when we're trying to teach them controls and using a mouse, which I would also add to them in order to truly be a member of the PC master race and a true gamer, you need to learn to use a mouse and a keyboard. So (laughs) it does remind me though, that this is still teaching, even though it's wrapped in game space learning and Minecraft and there, you can still rely on all of those great techniques that you know and use and refine over the years to teach your class using Minecraft. I'd also remind everybody now that there are hundreds of lessons in the Minecraft Education Edition library, a large number of them by Trish herself. (laughs) And we would strongly recommend you head to education.minecraft.net and take a look at the lessons that are there. Trish, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Join the Minecraft Education Challenge. This virtual build challenge invites students around the world to learn about issues related to sustainability and inclusion, then design solutions with Minecraft Education Edition. You can create your own prompt that invites students to address a local issue impacting your school, community, or region. This could be something like designing a more accessible version of your classroom in Minecraft. Think about people with different learning styles and disabilities, so the space is a safe and inspiring environment for everyone to be healthy. Or build a more sustainable version of your school in Minecraft. Consider a holistic definition of sustainability, which may involve rethinking energy systems, recycling, transportation, and how nature plays a role. Share progress and stories of your challenge experience via Twitter and Facebook, and tag us using our Twitter handle, at PlaycraftLearn, and the hashtag, Minecraft Challenge, and then post your results on the Minecraft Challenge Flipgrid page. We've added a link to that page in the show notes. We're so excited to see what you build. Thanks for listening to the Minecraft Education Edition podcast. My name is Mike Washburn. This podcast is produced by Participate, where the world learns together. Find out more at participate.com. You want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at education.minecraft.net. Connect with Minecraft Education Edition on Twitter at PlaycraftLearn. You can connect with me directly at Mr. Washburn. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 
When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost, and this helps others to discover the show. Thanks for listening. Stay awesome, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>